e-longevity, bringing space, crypto, and longevity science discussion to the masses. Welcome. We're happy that you're here. Welcome to the e-longevity podcast, everyone. This is our flagship effort to bring e-longevity to the masses. And as you know, I'm codenamed Lou, one of the early Discord admins and Dojalon lover. Uh, you know who we are. This is our eighth episode, and we're really excited for our guests. But of course, we always have to introduce our wonderful co-host, Britannia. Hey, hello. Um, Britannia00. Um, I've been a Dogalon holder since uh, March of 2021, and I'm super excited about our guest this evening. As am I. So we have a, a very, very interesting guest tonight, the president of Dela V Sciences, a PhD, a young PhD as well, too. So you can look him up after we finish this. Uh, very accomplished. Uh, Mr. Kyle Landry. So welcome to the show, Kyle. Oh, no, thank you guys for having me. Wait, 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 Lou. Correction, it's Dr. Kyle Landry. <laughs> very t- <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Kyle's fine. Dr. Kyle, I will go with that. We, we really uh, respect your accomplishments, but... Uh, I want to get into your your origin story before we speak about uh, Aeonia versus being Aeonian, before we speak about cosmetic, biotechnology, and so forth. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the space of cosmetics. Yeah, it's actually a, a very winding road, one that I would not expect myself to be on or even to end up where I am today. I actually started out as a food scientist. Um, I have my bachelor's, uh, then I went on for my master's, then I went on for my PhD. And um, along that road, I started teaching at Boston University as well. So I've actually been at Boston University for 11 years now uh, in the mm. Department of Health Sciences. But what actually brought me on this path, believe it or not, um, was the research I did on extremophiles many, many years ago. So how I ended up in longevity uh, is an interesting story. So I was finishing up my PhD and my phone rang and, you know, it, it came from a Boston number. I was like, oh, it must be Boston University calling. What's going on? Instead, <laughs> it was David Sinclair from Harvard Medical School. And he gave me a call and he's like, oh, you know, is this Dr. Landry? I'm like, oh, you know, it's Kyle. You know, what, what's, what can I, how can I help you? And he goes, well, you know, I read some of your papers on uh, DNA enzymes and in what you're doing with extremophiles, and you seem to be, you know, one of the few people on the planet that are actually doing this. So do you want to come over and help me out at Harvard Medical School? And that's actually what jump-started um, my, my longevity f- space, I guess, with space and longevity, uh, because I had no idea who David Sinclair was. You know, I'm a food scientist, and <laughs> after I, I got off the phone, I Googled him, and I was like, wow, he's a pretty big deal. Um, and, and that's how it started. And, you know, I went with him and, you know, we filed a patent. We worked on some really cool projects. And that actually led us to kind of like biodefense, biological warfare mitigation type programs that we spun out of his lab. And, and there was a startup company at the time called Liberty Biosecurity. And uh, so I left with David and I went over into that company. And that's actually how we were connected with NASA, believe it or not. So in 2017, uh, Liberty Biosecurity and a sister company was awarded um, a NASA iTech award for 
basically proposing how to protect astronauts on their journey to Mars. So it's not necessarily the engineering or the machinery that's the problem that's limiting us. It's our own body's ability uh, to withstand chronic cosmic radiation. Once we get outside of the Earth's protective magnetic sphere, you know, we're going to be bombarded with all these high energy particles. And by the time we get to Mars, you know, we're not going to be functioning at 100%. I mean, we may not even be functioning. We may be riddled with cancer or have memory problems and, and all, the, all these other things. So the mm -hmm. NASA iTech Award was given to us because we proposed uh, basically treating and preventing radiation um, issues using small molecules, uh, specifically NMN, uh, which, you know, David is known for um, in, the, in the field. So that jump-started the, the NASA area, and then it just so happened that one of our buddies uh, from the government side said, hey, there's this guy at NASA Jet Propulsion Labs who studies extremophiles. You should get to know him. So we hit it off um, down at uh, Jet Propulsion Labs, and we started trying to figure out, you know, how can we mitigate biofilms on the space station, how can we prevent dead bug bodies on the Mars rover? And all of this research kind of came together. And then the lead scientist there said, hey, we have this cool bug that was put outside of the International Space Station for 18 months and survived. Can, do you think you can do anything with it? I said, well, give it over, give it over to us. Let's see. And then a year and a half later, we... We create a really cool product, a cool ingredient, and now I'm in the cosmetic space, which I never thought I'd be in. <laughs> Absolutely a winding road. <laughs> Go ahead. And so, Kyle, I mean, tell us, how are you feeling about entering the cosmetic space, right? Going from the food industry to cosmetic, like how, how is it completely different? Um, how, how are you feeling about, about your discovery, right? And... Um, anything that you've learned or that you didn't expect in the cosmetic space? Yeah, so I'll tell you something. Um, it's actually surprising how well food, food parallels cosmetics or vice versa. It's a pretty interesting space. I mean, the marketing styles are very similar. Obviously, the regulatory styles are completely different, right? I mean, ingesting food is completely different than putting something on your face. Um, but it actually doesn't feel that distant. A lot of the technology that I studied previously, um, you know, I have a patent on nano emulsions and delivery systems, and those actually mirror and parallel that in the cosmetic space. So it was more of a leap to go from food science to genetics and longevity than it was to go from food science to cosmetics. Um, but, you know, once you have a good understanding of the science... You know, science is a very universal language, just like math. Um, it's just where you focus it, right? The techniques you use for, you know, molecular biology to make the newest uh, fiber supplement is the same genetic, you know, mechanisms you use to produce small molecules, which is the same you use to make the products for cosmetic ingredients. It's just where you focus. On the regulation uh, part, right? you know, the skincare line, and you have skinceuticals, you have, you know, it's FDA regulated um, 
the, the skincare uh, lines compared to FT, it's not FDA approved. What are, what are your thoughts on the FDA and the FDA process as it relates to skincare? Yeah, so actually there's nothing with skincare. The only FDA regulated product is sunscreen. Uh, sunscreen is actually a drug in the United States. It's a cosmetic in all of Europe. So because the UV filters are OTCs, um, you know, it, it's a little trickier to get a sunscreen on the market, even though it's not that hard. But it's even trickier to develop a new UV filter. Uh, this is why the sunscreen industry hasn't seen any significant innovation for 20 plus years, 30 years. Because in order to register a new UV filter, it has to go through the drug development pathway, the IND pathway, which is a very, very long time, 10 plus years, and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And unfortunately, in the sunscreen industry, um, the companies and manufacturers want to pay the lowest price for their ingredients. So it's a race to the bottom for ingredient prices. But to get an ingredient for sunscreen registered as a UV filter, it's very, very expensive. Um, so the, F the, FDA register, um, the FDA monitors and regulates sunscreen. It is voluntary to submit any cosmetic formulation um, to the FDA. There is a portal where if you want to, you can submit your formulation and your cosmetic there. In case there's any issues, the FDA can track it. But it's not mandatory. However, they did just pass a new um, cosmetic bill in December of last year that will make uh, FDA registration mandatory. It, it's nothing, though, more than just providing your ingredient list and a contact name in case there's an issue. Um, but for claims, um, to make claims and certain claims, you know, that's not FDA regulated. That is more um, like trade commission type of thing where if people feel like they're being lied to, they, they go through that direction and that pathway. And, you know, we made sure when we developed our cosmetic products that we did all the clinical testing needed. Uh, we did safety testing. We did package compatibility testing. And then we went on and we did a 70-person total clinical study to make sure the claims that we're making were substantiated and backed by science, not just based on uh, what people believe the ingredients could do. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing, Kyle, because you know, in, in the skincare market, it's so crowded, right? Mm -hmm. And you, know, you have all of these different claims that are out there and um, I think it's important that you share this information because you've done clinical testing, right? And um, it will just help the consumers understand what they're purchasing and the different claims that are, that are uh, made on packaging, right? Um, and you're actually, the, I believe, the first guest we've had that actually has a direct-to-consumer product, so I'm very excited about that. <laughs> a lot of science went into it. I mean, we're not just remix we're not just mixing chemicals you can buy off the shelves i mean the whole day levy science focus uh step one is to create science-backed innovative raw ingredients that you can't get anywhere else and then build consumer products around them 
So Aonia, which is the line from De La Vie Sciences that features our certified space technology, which I hinted at a little bit, you know, that's the only place you can get bacillus lysate, which is our patented uh, clinically tested ingredient that has all of these great attributes that are linked to longevity. So, you know, a lot of cosmetic companies, if not all of them, just mix ingredients that anyone can buy. There are very few that have any patented ingredients um, or any proprietary type of uh, innovation that is not. And so like bacillus lysate, just to, uh, to give you a little insight on that, that is the, a raw ingredient that was created from the organism that survived outside of the International Space Station. So this organ that's my that's my next question. <laughs> yeah. So sorry about that. Um, but the bacillus lysate, what NASA found was that when they brought it back down to Earth, it had amazing UV absorbing properties. UVA, UVB, and UVC radiation. And you know, when NASA came to us and said, Hey, what can we what could you use this for? We said, let's look at sunscreen, sun care, and longevity. And that's when we, you know, we realized that developing a UV filter for sunscreen is a longer road than what we would want to go after. And it was also very expensive. So instead, we went after SPF boosting, which is um, an SPF booster is an ingredient that aids in enhancing the sun protection factor of a sunscreen without being the main UV filter. So we went down that road and we had great success. I mean, the bacillus lysate was boosting sunscreen SPF by 20, 30, 40%, which was amazing. But then David and I sat down and we said, let's see if there are any longevity properties that the bacillus lysate has. So we looked at it uh, we found that it was an amazing antioxidant. And not only was it just a great general antioxidant, but in the serum, it actually blocks and prevents free radicals that are formed from UVA exposure. So not only do you have protection from that, but you also have you know protection from the antioxidants. The second thing we found activates sirtuins, specifically SIRT1. So SIRT1, you know, is um, an ancient DNA repair mechanism that is linked to longevity. And we were very surprised to find that SIRT1 is activated and turned on with the ingredient. And the third milestone or, 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 or big finding we found was that it increased intrinsic hyaluronic acid production by almost 300%. So most cosmetics add hyaluronic acid and hope that it gets absorbed through your skin. The problem is hyaluronic acid comes in various sizes. The penetration into the dermis, you know, is questionable with some of them. So the actual, you know, benefit of the hyaluronic acid topically is short term, right? It's just as long as it sits on the skin or penetrates. The bacillus lysate actually tells your cells or makes your cells produce more natural hyaluronic acid 
which is why the benefits and the impact of it are so profound from the clinical studies and from all the customer reviews we're getting. You know, I, I really appreciate you going into depth, bringing it full circle, because about six minutes into our conversation or so, you spoke about extremophiles. Just so for those who may not understand the, the science behind it, uh, Bacillus lysae and extremophile, is that the same thing? So an extremophile is any organism that can survive an extreme condition. So thermophiles are organisms that can survive high temperatures. Halophiles are organisms that can survive high salt. So the Bacillus lysate comes from an organism that could survive UV radiation. So it was actually isolated from a clean room that was constantly disinfected with UVC germicidal lamps. And the organism actually evolved to basically not be affected by the UVC radiation. So in fact, it is an extremophile because it can withstand germicidal lamps that should be detrimental to microbes. Okay, now here's, here's my follow-up question. Yeah. The Bacillus lysae were put in these conditions, in essence, if, you, if you're asking me, kind of born in space, right? Does that uh, parallel what should be done with like future human species if we're traveling, uh, but we're been, we've been conditioned to conditions in Earth, if we want to sustain longevity in space travel, uh, should we start building a human race that is that, that their origin is actually in space? Yeah, so that is that would be the ideal situation, but unfortunately that will take thousands and thousands of years of evolution unless we manipulate, right? Because, you know, our body machinery is designed for gravity. Our muscles are designed to grow stronger and get bigger from physical labor and moving, right? So if we're in zero gravity, you have muscle atrophy, you have muscle wasting, right? Because nothing's being done. So if we were to just grow ourselves or, or, or be in space since we were born, you know, one, we don't know how microgravity would impact developmental milestones of an infant into an adult, right? We've never done that. Uh, we don't know what that would do to the muscle structure. We don't know if that would stint growth, if that would enhance growth, if it would result in weakened hearts, like we have no idea. And second, if we were just to go from here, as we are now a terrestrial um, organism, and go out into space, you know, our bodies aren't going to be able to adapt fast enough to withstand the negative attributes of space. I mean, astronauts deal with this now, right? They come back, they're incredibly weak, um, they, they have other issues associated with microgravity and space travel. So, Ideally, I think what we should be looking at is almost goes back to that room article about or the NASA iTech award where how can we biohack ourselves to make us as efficient as possible without completely rewriting our genetic code, right? And uh, whether that's with exoskeletons or small molecules um, or just other apparatus to to strain us so that we stay somewhat um, in somewhat similar conditions. That would be the ideal uh, case. Yeah, so Kyle, um, Aonia, is it changing the flora on the skin, the skin flora? 
Um, and then also, does it play with other micro microorganisms that's found in the skin? So those are two great questions. So one, the bacillus lysate is an extract from the organism. So there is no live bacteria in Aonia. There's no live bacteria, so it will not directly impact or, or colonize or seed your skin with something different. And that's actually a great question because we are currently going through microbiome certification. So there's a company called My Microbiome that certifies uh, consumer products to make sure that they do not have a negative impact on the skin microbiome. Because as you know, you know, the skin microbiome is very, very important for skin health, from acne to dry skin, you know, it, it's very crucial. And so far, we haven't been, we, we're halfway through the trials right now, so I, I can't say, you know, how it's going to be. But right now, it's looking very, very favorable. Um, so we'll have to give you an update, update on that. But it, there's no live bacteria, and it should not impact your skin microbiome, but we'll have the actual scientific data probably in two weeks. Hmm, exciting, for sure. <laughs> we hope that, that things go well. And we also applaud you for making it through that regulatory gauntlet that we spoke about before when it came to your product. So let's get uh, deeper into the, the effects of your product. What effects have you seen uh, from the, the use of your product and, and those who are starting to, to use what you've created? Yeah, so... Uh, this all stems back to the longevity attributes, right? Sirtuins, antimicrobial, I mean, uh, not antimicrobial, sorry. Antioxidant properties, sirtuin activation, hyaluronic acid production. Uh, the first thing you'll notice is the clinical testing showed that after 30 minutes of applying it, your skin moisture was over 39% increase in skin moisture. Mm. And your skin stayed hydrated for over 24 hours with that. Uh, the next thing that happened was skin elasticity and firmness significantly improved even after three days of use. Um, this also coincided with a reduction in fine line and wrinkles, fine lines and wrinkles, that you started to see those effects after 14 days. One attribute that we only discovered after a clinical study, because we did not test for it initially, was the impact on hyperpigmentation in skin tone. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was in LA at one of our clinical trial sites. This site had 35 people. And I was there visiting, and I was pulled into an office, and one of the subjects came to me and said, hey, Kyle, uh, can we talk to you about something? I said, yeah, okay, of course. And she goes, can we comment about hyperpigmentation in skin tone? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm sure you can, but, you know, this product, we, we didn't have any idea that it would do this. And she goes, that's why I'm talking to you, because I've noticed a significant decrease in hyperpigmentation and evening of my skin tone. And this came from all of the very dark skin patients uh, or, or subjects in, this, in the studies at both sites, at New York site and in the L.A. site. And... If all of them in this cohort was noticing hyperpigmentation reduction and even skin tone, we went back to the scientific side and said, okay, how can we explain this? What, how can it be doing this? So we did a whole host of studies, and we started out first in vitro with enzyme assays. And the first thing we noticed was that the serum uh, significantly inhibited enzymes that resulted in hyperpigmentation. So things that polymerized... 
uh, compost to make melanoidin structures were actually inhibited um, by the serum. The next step we went was we went to uh, melanocytes, overexpressing melanocytes. So these are cells that produce melanin and they are overexpressing. And we found that our serum with the bacillus lysate was able to reduce melan hyperpigmentation or hypermelanin production by 46% in the tissue cultures. So we have the mechanism now showing that it inhibits the enzymes, it slows down the pathways of overexpression. We also have the fact that it's a strong antioxidant and it turns on DNA repair enzymes. So any damage that has led to age spots or hyperpigmentation could in theory be repaired by these things being upregulated and the polymerization be minimized by inhibiting the enzymes. Um, so that was a very, very shocking surprise that came to us. Uh, and it made us have to backtrack a little bit to, to understand how or why it, it was doing it, but we were able to, to lock it down. Wow, Kyle, like the results, that's very impressive. Um, so how, what's the durability of this organism? So how, how long are we seeing the effects last if a patient discontinues? Have you studied that? So we haven't studied that directly. I mean, the clinical study was 28 days uh, with various time points in between uh, just to see how long, you know, it would take before you started seeing physical effects from the actual product. But we do have people saying that, you know, they've used the product and they haven't, they stopped using it for like a week or a few days because they, they missed out or they left it somewhere and their skin was fine. There, there was no dramatic change. It didn't dry out after one day, right? It was able to, to withstand it for, you know, three, four days until they came back. But we haven't looked to see if there's any permanent change uh, per se. Um, there's no, there's no real indication to say, you know, or thought that this does permanently do anything. I mean, you're turning on or upregulating certain factors, and if you take those things away, you know, those it should be downregulated in theory, right? I'm not, I'm not going to say it does everything, but just to know that you could be repairing DNA and quenching and preventing free radicals, that will help you in the long run right, by preventing damage and minimizing environmental impacts. Wonderful. We look forward to, to seeing how, how far it goes. And that, that's my next question, really. Um, there was a convergence between your food, you know, studies and research and, and space, and you had a wonderful byproduct of that. So do you think in the future that uh, cryptocurrency or the or Web3 or the crypto market, for example, will converge with your cosmetic or, and longevity science um, in the future. Do you think that there's some type of synergy that could happen? Yeah, and, you know, I, I've been given some thought on this for some time. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of coins out there, a lot of crypto out there based on various things. And one of the things I think would be interesting, and I don't really know the mechanisms on how to make this happen or work, but would be to have a coin based on a, a collection or a library of extremophiles, novel organisms, and the value be derived from, you know, what can come out of them, what possible products you can make. And unfortunately, you know, the, the first downside I see to that is that it takes a long time 
for you to get anywhere, but just the thought process that, or the, the concept that you can have a collection of extremophiles that do amazing things. You know, because think about it. Extremophiles can somehow survive environments we can't, right? So there are organisms that can grow at 60 degrees centigrade, right? Yet somehow their DNA is highly conserved, and even after thousands and thousands of generations, the genetic drift is less than 0.001%. So that's telling me that there's some amazing DNA repair machinery in there, amazing DNA protection. What can, that, what can we use from that? What can we take from that and, and put it into the longevity space? So having a coin based on you know, extremophiles and their potential applications and people who invest in the coin would basically be investing in that research to help it go forward, right? That's, I see that as a possible avenue. Again, the machinery and mechanisms are, are pretty clunky, but just to think about having uh, almost like a Kickstarter or a, a GoFundMe page, but for research based on novel organisms and applications and longevity is something that is incredibly interesting. Thank you, Kyle. Um, are you researching any other skin disorders like psoriasis or eczema or even like burn patients? Um, anything that you can share? Yeah, so this is an interesting, uh, an interesting area, and this is where uh, the gray area can come up with FDA, right? So like psoriasis, eczema, things of that nature, burn patients, those are dr that, that's in the drug avenue. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't take bacillus lysate and look at it f as a drug potential, right? So the lysate is incredibly crude. It's, it's a crude extract that basically houses all of the beneficial properties of that organism that we put in the cosmetics. But we are actively trying to separate out the active biomolecules within that lysate so we can identify what compounds are doing what, and those would be the ideal candidates for a drug application, right? Because then you know what it is, you know what the MOA is, the mechanism of action, you know what the chemical structure is, the moiety, what it is, and you can move forward. So we're not looking at aonia for burns or for psoriasis or treatment of eczema, right? You know, it does help with dry skin, it does help moisturize things, which can help alleviate some of the symptoms associated with those diseases, but it's not going to treat or cure it. But the small molecules or the, the proteins or the peptides that we pull out from the bacillus lysate itself, if we find strong biomarkers or bioactivities within that, then those could be potential drug candidates down the line. Incredible. So the there's a potential that it could have pharmaceutical benefits in the future. Right now, there are immediate cosmetic benefits. And you're our first guest that, that has a product focused on longevity um, that we can actually use today, which I think is remarkable, um, that you went through the regulatory, that it has longevity effects. But also, there could be a branch in the future uh, that you can work in parallel with what Aeonia is doing to get it to that pharmaceutical level one day, right? Yeah, and, and let me just tell you a little bit about De La Vie Sciences. Uh, you know, we're not a one-trick pony. We have over a thousand novel extremophiles in our collection. 
and bacillus lysate is just one of many uh, that are coming out. Bacillus lysate is the first ingredient that we brought to market. The ingredient came out in April. Aonia, our uh, age-defying serum, the direct-to-consumer product, came out in October of last year. But we have two other ingredients that are also going through the registration pathway. So the first one I'll tell you came from a novel genus of fungi that I discovered many years ago. Uh, so this is a brand new to science organism. It grows at 55 degrees centigrade, so that's about 131 Fahrenheit, give or take. And it produces an amazing assortment of extracellular enzymes. And these enzymes have the ability to break down bacterial biofilms, break down oil reservoirs on your skin, help get rid of dead skin, and help unplug pores. So that raw ingredient has gone through safety testing. It's gone through scale-up manufacturing. Right now, we're waiting to hear back um, if it's been assigned an inky number, which is a number needed for it to go for sale in, in use in cosmetics. And we should be getting that back by the end of this month um, to know if the, when we can start putting that in cosmetics. That's also patented. Uh, David and I have that patent from Harvard Medical School. So again, that's science-backed, patented. A lot of evidence, a lot of data went into that. And now we're bringing it to consumers. And the third ingredient is a novel protein that actually enhances cell viability and protects your cells from stressors like urban pollution, salt, um, and any other environmental factors that may come in contact with your skin. And again, that's gone through the safety testing, that's gone through scale up, and right now we're getting ready to submit that also for an inky number uh, so we can put that in cosmetics. And we have three other novel organisms. One comes from a landfill, the other comes from uh, 5,000 feet below the surface of the earth in an abandoned gold mine. So a few years ago, I went down um, 5,000 feet in an abandoned gold mine. It was 100 degrees, 100% humidity. <laughs> it was like Indiana Jones, right? It's a 15-minute elevator ride down to the bottom, then a 45-minute rickety train car ride to where we had to go to isolate novel organisms. And the best part was, you know, I looked like a ghostbuster when I went down there. I had a belt with all these like, gas masks and all these meters and stuff to look for, like, you know, if there's a, a small earthquake, poisonous gas plumes can come out of the rocks. And they were like, you know, you only have, you have about 45 minutes to reach the surface if your meter goes off. And I said, wait a minute, it's a 45 minute train ride and then a 20-minute elevator ride. And that doesn't count trekking to the train from when we're off, you know, in a foray underground, you know, if it's 100 degrees. And they're like, yeah, you know, you'll just have to move pretty quick. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know. Let me ask you yeah, this. Yeah, so uh... has a bunch of stuff. De La Vie is not a one-trick pony. We're focused all on extremophiles and, you know, longevity and rejuvenation is one of the many pillars that we focus on in the company. I have a, I have a, a, a question about your motivation. What's, what's motivating someone to, to go 5,000 feet below the surface and, and, and sweat his tail off for, for, the, for the sake of science? What's, what's keeping you going in the field? 
excitement. It is literally the excitement of the unknown, right? So I started working with extremophiles back in 2009. And the first expedition, I call it an expedition. It actually wasn't anything crazy. But I went to a farm and I went in a pile of rotting animal corpses and farm matter. And I had a cow insemination glove on uh, to cows impregnate them. And I stuck my hand in this pile of rotting carcasses and all this other stuff. Mm. And I pulled out a sample and I isolated, I believe, 45 organisms from there. And most of them were new to science. And, you know, just having that idea that you have something no one else has worked on and you're trying to solve some of the greatest problems, you know, that face humanity, you know, disease, longevity, all these different types of problems. And yet here in your hand, you're holding organisms that somehow can survive the harshest conditions on the planet. So obviously they must be doing something right. So why don't we learn from them? And, you know, bring it over into the into the longevity space. Kyle, my skin thanks you <laughs> for going into the gold mines, digging up and touching car, uh, cow carcasses. So thank you. Um, and I look forward to, um, you know, the different products that you have coming out or, you know, potentially coming out. Um, Hey, look, I'm going to be one of your consumers. I'm excited about your product. I really am. Um, I would recommend a body cream because the face isn't just everything. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I would think a body cream or um, a lotion, whichever, preferably a cream. That would be great, too, um, as a consumer. Um, so I'm definitely excited about... Um, using your, your, your product, your story, your journey. I'm ex- excited about your future and um, what's, what's coming. And so thank you so much for, for your time this evening, Liz. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Thank you for having me. And you know, those, those comments do not fall on deaf ears. Uh, the serum is the first product. We have an eye cream launching um, in April. Then we have an overnight repair cream, and then we have a face lotion coming out, and that's going to round off all of Aonia. The body lotion is going to feature that third ingredient I told you about, the one that protects your cells from all the environmental stressors, from salt, from pollution, you know, chemicals that you just get exposed to over time. Um, but yeah, no, that's great. I'm happy. I'm happy you uh, like my story. No, we we love we love your story absolutely. I wanted to, I wanted to ask a, a palate cleansing uh, question because all I can <laughs> think about is your baptism by fire with your hands deep in the corpses. But we ask all of our our uh, our um, episode guests this. But what is your favorite music at the moment? What's your favorite album? Um, uh, what are you listening to right now? And what are you reading? Okay, so my favorite music, I actually love all types of music, believe it or not. Um, I listen to everything from indie rock all the way to country, even to classical. Uh, But right now, I've actually been stepping back in time, and I've been listening a lot to Pinback, which is a throwback of like an indie rock band, I think early 2010, 2011. 
Um, I've been listening to them quite a bit, along with some other throwback, really throwback artists like Jimmy Eat World and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm feeling nostalgia right now. I don't know <laughs> why. Uh, you know, I can only listen to Miley Cyrus's Flowers for so long on the radio before I have to, you know, go back a little bit. <laughs> now, <laughs> what I'm reading, um, besides reading a bunch of academic journals and reading a lot of trade journals, I'm kind of reading a lot about geopolitical issues right now. I think the we're in a very delicate place. I mean, right now we've got spy balloons, we've got the war in Ukraine, we've got the Middle East unrest, and we have, you know, the the compression of our economy and potential recession that's coming forward. And I think not having a good understanding of how the world works, uh, usually we all stay in our own little bubbles. Um, I happen to be able to travel a lot for work. I've been to various countries. And understanding the politics and the culture in each country, how it differs, is unbelievable. Um, and something that everyone should at least brush up on or at least learn a little bit about. And I can't remember what the last one was. <laughs> well, you know what? We have to have you back. Absolutely have to have you back. <laughs> and then you could you could let us know the, the titles of those books. I 100% agree, though. You know, we all are, are living it, <laughs> on this space rock, and we need to take mm -hmm. care of it, you know. Um, you know, the world could definitely be a better place and it will be a better place for sure if we have products and things that can help us feel better, look better. So before we go, please tell us where we can find out more information about your products. Yeah, of course. So you can go directly to our website, which is daylavisciences.com. And, uh, you know, we're offering a special discount code for all eLongevity listeners. If you use the code uh, eLongevity20, you'll get 20% off our product, uh, which is great. If you go to the website, you'll see some of our clinical trial data. You'll see our story about the space station and the research and how we're space certified. You know, one thing I never mentioned is we're the first biological cosmetic to be certified space technology. That puts us in the same realm as Tempur-Pedic mattresses and Ray-Ban sunglasses. You know, Tempur-Pedic mattresses that's made from the cushions that made up the seats of the, the, the rockets, right? Like not a lot of people realize this technology that that's falls over, but we're space certified, we're Leaping Bunny certified, we're PETA approved, we're you know checking off all the boxes. But yeah, head over to DeLaVieSciences.com and uh, you can learn more about it. Oh, man, we can't wait, uh, and I, our community is definitely excited to be able to have that discount. Um, we we look forward to having you in the future. We wish you greatest success. And this is the Elongevity Podcast, and thank you for being here. Good night.